Hello, residents. My name is Zach Olson. I'm joined today by Mike Estefan, and thank you for downloading this month's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Pearson Rabbits Insurance, and today is round number 26 of the game. Mike will need to perform today's case in real ABEM oral boards format. He has, drum roll please, 30 minutes to complete the case. He has no idea what the case is ahead of time, but it's a triple. It's a triple, Mike. Oh. Oh, yeah. Here we go. These cases were created by me. They are not derived from actual ABM cases that I had. They are not real patients. Mike, take out a piece of paper and a pencil. Place the paper sideways in front of you. Uh, you can outline. So the way this would work is you would actually have three human bodies on it that you want to outline. So I'll give you actually some time to prepare that. Yeah. So. Zach, Zach, Zach. Okay. Yeah. Give me a minute. I just got to say, my palms started instantly sweating as soon as you said that. I can't even hold on to my pen. <laughs> you know it was coming. Uh, all right. Uh, give me a minute. This is why when you're like, my computer has 7%. I was like, yeah, you're going to need to reschedule. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it fun just knowing these things? Like carrying on casual conversation as I know I'm about to crush you. It's like my favorite part about this whole deal. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm ready. Let's... Let's let's do it. All right. So we got the we did some some modifications of Mike's piece of paper here. Uh, Mike, this is Dr. Estefan. This will be a single or sorry, a triple patient encounter. You will have 30 minutes to complete the case before we begin. Do you have any questions? I do not. Let's let's do this. All All right. The timer starts now. Dr. Estefan. You are working at Clerkship General's new freestanding emergency room. When one of the new nurses comes up to you and says, Doc, I just had a family checked in, so I put them all in room one. Since things are so quiet right now, do you mind just popping your head in and discharging them real quick so I can uh, get some lunch? I got some Jimmy John's. <laughs> okay. How many family members are there? It's, it's well, there are three family members. Three. Great. They're the, the Smiths. Yep. The Smiths. All right. Um, let's go to the room. Um, I walk in. What do I see? Well, as you can imagine, it's quite the scene. But um, you you primarily see a dad, and he's there with his two children. He's holding them, and and everything's just pretty pretty intense, pretty intense. And he's like, "Take care of my take care of my first son, Chris." Um, does anyone appear to be ill or sick or dying? Um, the, the whole room looks it's kind of a hot mess, to be honest. Okay. So there is a dad, a son, and who else? A second son? Uh, two sons. There's there's Chris and there's Ronnie and there's uh, Carson is the dad. And we're going to start off with Chris. Okay. Let's start off with Chris. What's going on? <sighs> yeah, uh, Doc, he just, he can't breathe. He can't breathe. I'm really worried. Okay. All right. Um, can we get an opening set of vitals on Chris? Um, sure. His heart rate is 120. His respiratory rate is 40. His temperature is 100.4. Okay. And how old is Chris? He is 18 months. 18 months. Okay. And can we get a pulse ox on Chris? Um, it is 93%. 93%. And what is Chris doing? How does Chris appear? He's just sitting there. He he's yeah. He's kind of um, clinging to dad a little bit. He's coughing a lot. Um, 
crying. Okay. He's crying. Everyone's crying. Is he making You're crying, making probably. tears? Um, he is making tears. Great. Okay. Um, Dad, what can you tell me about Chris? Is he healthy? Yeah, he's healthy, Doc. He just can't breathe. Okay. Shots up to date? Yes. Born full term? Yes. Uh, any allergies to meds? No. Does he take any meds? No. And no medical history, right? None. Great. Um, how long has he been sick for? Yeah, we just thought it was a cold. He's been sick for like three days. Anyone else sick? Uh, yes. Yes. We're all going to be very ill. <laughs> okay. So everyone at the house is sick. Um, yeah. Runny nose cough? Yeah, just kind of it was runny nose and congestion, a little bit of cough. Um, I feel like maybe he had a fever. Mom said he had a fever, but he just he can't breathe. He can't breathe. Help him breathe. Okay. Is, is he making any abnormal breathing sounds? Yeah, he is stridering. Stridering. At rest? Yep. Great. Okay. Um, I guess let me examine him quickly. Um, general appearance, uh, accessory muscle use, etc. Nasal flaring? Um, he is having nasal flaring. He is having subcostal retractions. Subcostal retractions. Great. Um, any rashes? No. Um, cyanosis. Uh, did you say sinuses? Cyanosis. Oh, cyanosis. It's like, oh, sinuses. Um, we have, we're gonna have to talk. Um, cyanosis. No. Okay. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's give him, um, some PO. So this is probably croup with strider at rest. So he is going to get steroids and racemic epi. Um, I do not know dosing off the top of my head, so let's call pharmacy for dexamethasone right. and racemic, nebulized racemic epinephrine dosing. Um, the nurses know the dose, so they'll get it started. Okay. Um, what about my other son, doctor? Yeah, what about my other son? Let's go on to Ronnie. What's going on with Ronnie? Yeah, I, I think he's getting sick too. Okay. Uh, how old is Ronnie? He is three years old. Three years old. Okay. What symptoms is he having? Well, he's vomiting. Vomiting. How long has he been vomiting for? Just this morning. He was doing fine. You know, we were worried about Chris, but then uh, this morning Ronnie started getting sick too. All right. Can I get an opening set of vitals on Ronnie? Sure. His temperature is 98. His heart rate is 140. His respiratory rate is 38. Okay. O2 sat. 98%. Okay, let's get a AccuCheck on Ronnie. AccuCheck is 100. 100. No DKA. Woohoo. All right. Um vomiting since this morning. Is Ronnie healthy? Um yeah, he's healthy. Great. No medical problems? None. No allergies to meds? No. Doesn't take any meds? No. Shots up to date? Yes. Great. Um any diarrhea? Uh, no, not really. Has he been complaining of tummy pain, tummy aches? Um, yeah, he has been uh, complaining of some abdominal pain. Okay. Where is the abdominal pain? He's just kind of holding all over his belly. Okay. All right. Um, da, 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 da. Is this, was there green in his vomit? No. Okay. Was there blood? No. Okay. 
Um, let's see. Save febrile. Petals look okay. Um, has he been having runny nose cough as well? No, not really. Just the vomiting. Okay. Um, let's examine Ronnie. General appearance. Um, he is, uh, he, he actually vomited during the assessment, um, uh, adding to the drama of the situation. <laughs> he is crying. He's holding his belly. Okay. Um, lungs are clear. Okay. Uh, how's his abdominal exam? What are you looking for? Um, well, first let's, let's take off all clothes. Um, do I see anything abnormal? Any bruising, any swelling, any redness, any rashes? No. No. Okay. Um, I press on his abdomen. Does he guard? Does he tense up? Does he start crying more? No. Okay. I examine his uh, genitals. Do his testicles have equal lie? Are they both descended? Um, they are both descended. They have normal lie. Normal lie. Cremasteric, bilaterally? Bilateral. Okay. And I'm sorry, he has no abdominal tenderness? No abdominal tenderness. Okay. How's he look, Doc? How's he look, Doc? I think he looks okay. Dad's starting to get anxious. Yeah, let's give him some uh, Piozofran. We can give him 0.1 megs per kg, whatever his weight is. Um, his weight is 16 kilograms. Um, okay, we can we can just give him two two milligrams, break off a ODT in half, um, and then we will reassess him. Let's talk about Dad. Okay. Oh, Yeah. Are my children okay? Are they going to make it? Yeah, I think they're okay. What's going on with you? Well, I think I'm getting sick too. Okay. Um, what symptoms are you having? I'm just starting to feel really, really tired. I've been sick. I think, I don't know, I've been sick for a while too. Okay. Can I get an opening set of vitals on Carson? Um, sure. His heart rate is 130. His respiratory rate is 28. His blood pressure is 82 over 68. His O2 saturation is 92%. Oof. Okay. Temperature? 98. Okay. Uh, can I get an ACU check on him? Um, yeah. His finger stick blood glucose is 89. 89. Great. Um, let's get two large bore IVs and get this guy on the monitor. All right, we two can, IVs started. He's on the monitor. We can put him on like two two liters nasal cannula. Oxygen has been started. Great. Um, okay. So, how long have you not been feeling well, Carson? Dad? Yeah, probably probably like four days. I was just having some runny nose and some cough and stuff too. Uh, but now I'm just I'm just wiped out. Okay. Have you had fevers at home? Um, maybe some low grade stuff a couple days ago. Not today. Any trouble breathing? Yeah, I'm feeling super short of breath. Any chest pain? Um, a little. Okay. How old is Carson? How old is Carson? Carson is 55. 55 male. Okay. Um, let's see. Shortness of breath, chest pain. Any belly pain? Um, no, not really. Nausea, vomiting? No. Does your chest pain get worse with exertion? No, not really. Or with deep breaths? Um, maybe a little, yeah. Okay. All right, um, let's see. What medical problems does Carson have? Oh, I got a bunch. I got a bunch. Um, hypertension, hyperlipidemia, hypothyroidism, chronic kidney disease, and anemia. Do we know why you have anemia? 
my doctor told me it's because of all my medical problems. Got it. Any surgical history? None. Do you smoke or drink or use drugs? No. Never. Okay. Do you have any allergies to medications? Nope. Okay. And do you take any medications? Um, yeah, I take amlodipine, atorvastatin, levothyroxine, ferrous sulfate, and multivitamin. <laughs> okay. And have you been taking all your medications? Yes. Okay. Um, all right. Let's examine dad. General appearance. How does he look? Um, he kind of looks a little agitated. He's crying. He's... Everyone's crying. <laughs> um, but yeah, what else are you looking for? Okay. Um, let's start off by listening to his lungs. What do I hear? His lungs are clear. Okay. Um, heart, any whopping murmurs? No. Uh, any extremity swelling? No. Any extremity discoloration? He just kind of looks a little cool. A little cool? Yeah, just kind of that modely look. Okay, is he cool to touch at the extremities? Yeah. Does he have any, like, JVD? Yes. He has JVD. Got it. Okay. Does he have uh, ascites or abdominal distension? No. No. Any abdominal tenderness? No. Okay. Does he have faint heart sounds? Uh, He's a big guy. It's hard to tell. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, let's... He had clear lungs. Okay, let's start. We can start giving him 500 TC bolus. And in the meantime, I would like to pocus him. Can I look at his right. heart? What do I see? Do I see an effusion? You see an effusion. Okay. Is there RV collapse in diastole? Yes, there's diastolic. Yeah, there's diastolic collapse of <laughs> the right atrium. Okay. So... This friend has tamponade, so that is, he's the sickest of the three. So let's actually start a leader wide open, because um, this is preload dependent. Right. Uh, While you start the leader, the respiratory therapist comes up to you and says, hey, uh, doc, your patient in bed one. Chris, we're done with the uh, the nebulizer. Okay, great. Looking good. Great. I will uh, come reassess him in a couple minutes. Um, okay. All right. Um, and then... Dad says, "How's my how's my son doing?" Uh, he's doing good. Let's let's take care of you first, and then uh, okay, we'll, thank. We'll talk about your son. Um, so we'll give him. All right, all right, sure. Give him a... sure. That's good because I'm feeling I'm feeling very unwell. <laughs> all right, uh, let's give him a liter uh, liter bullet. We can get a liter running through HIV. Um, let us call. Oh, we're at a freestanding ED, right? Oh, yeah. So we don't have... I mentioned that, didn't I? We don't have uh, CT surgery. Okay, that's cool. Let's uh, call the transfer center and prepare for transfer. In the meantime, he is unstable. So I guess we should set up to do a pericardiosynthesis. All right. Um, you're in the supply room. What do you need? Um, ooh, do we have a... Do we have a tray? No. Oh, lovely. Okay. Um, I, I don't know the exact names for some of the procedures or some of the, the instruments, but I basically, I need a central line kit um, with some kind of 
drain that I can leave in place. <laughs> I don't know what the name of that drain would be called. Okay. Essential line kit with a drain. I mean, there's a drain in the central line kit, like a little catheter. Would that work? Uh, yeah, sure. Sure. Okay. I've never actually opened one of these kits before, but... Um, just, Do you need anything else? Uh, sterile gloves, sterile everything, sterile probe cover, um, and everything in the central line kit. My ultrasound. I think that is it. Yeah. 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 Um, and let's All just... right. That's good. The nurse uh, calls out, I need you in bed one, doc. Uh, dad's coding. Oh, God. All right. Um, let's, let's just get this fluid out. Um, I stick the ultrasound on his chest and introduce the needle at the juiciest pocket, wherever I find it, parasternal long or apical four. Um, so they're doing chest compressions. Do you want them to stop? Do you want to, how do you want them to do that? How do you want to coordinate this? Uh, yeah, stop and let me just drain this right now. Okay. All right. Um, the whole, the whole heart is very juicy. Okay. I drain as much as I can. <laughs> where you describe the procedure all right uh i find the juice the biggest pocket i can find either parasternal long axis or apical i want the whole procedure from the beginning to the end walk me through your steps that you're doing got it all right well i'm not doing it sterile because he's coding so i'm getting the phased array probe i'm doing a parasternal long view and apical four whichever view has the bigger pocket then i am gonna go there i'm gonna switch to my linear probe and um, under ultrasound guidance, advance the needle while holding, advancing a, yeah, a needle with a syringe while holding negative pressure on the syringe until I can see myself entering the pericardial sac. And then I am draining as much as I can from the pericardial sac. All right. Um, you get out 100 cc's. Okay. Does he have pulses? Yep. Okay. Is he awake? Um. Yeah, he, he goes, <gasps> please check my children. <laughs> oh, my God. Doc, do you want anything else on bed one? Chris, the 18-month-old? Um, I think he's looking good. He could probably go. Should we just get him? Should we just discharge him? Uh, not yet. <laughs> um, can we PO? How is Ronnie doing? Um, Ronnie is still uh, vomiting and holding his abdomen. And Dad's going, is everything okay with him? I'm really worried. He's still vomiting after the Zofran? Yeah, he doesn't look too well. His dad's like, I'm very worried. Um, All right. What do you think's going let's, on? Let's put a line in and give him a fluid bolus, IV Zofran, get some basic labs, and we can do an abdominal ultrasound. Do you think he has anything bad? I don't know, but we'll, we'll do an ultrasound to see what's going on. Well, I was just, I was just worried. Um, I just remembered something. Yeah. The other day, I was getting medicine for Chris, and um, we had to keep all of our medicines in the same cabinet. I think I forgot to close the cabinet. <laughs> all right. Let's get a, a Tylenol acetaminophen level, and let's shoot a plain film of, of his belly to look for uh, iron overdose. And let's get a repeat set of vitals on uh, both Chris and on Dad. All right. Well, Chris, um, he's now afebrile. His heart rate is 90. His respiratory rate is 28. Um, his O2 saturation is 98% on room air. You said you wanted to repeat vitals on who else? On dad. Postcode dad. On dad. 
postcode dad, his um, heart rate is 98. His respiratory rate is 20. His blood pressure is 102 over 70. And his O2 saturation is 94%. And then you said you wanted an abdominal x-ray. I'm the, gotcha. the vomiting kid. There's an abdominal x-ray. And we can... Uh, All right, the abdominal x-ray is being sent. Great. And we can send uh, pan labs on dad as well as an EKG and a chest x-ray. Um, pan labs, please describe. <laughs> CBC, BMP, troponin, pro-BNP, um, LFTs, uh, coags. All right, so those are sent on dad. You said you want to repeat EKG now, is, or actually your first, first EKG now. Yeah, first EKG. And I'm looking at this x-ray. Okay, this kid definitely uh, has some radio-opaque pills in his belly. <laughs> Oh man. So this is iron overdose? Yeah. Let's let's uh let's call poison control for uh Ronnie and cancel that ultrasound. Um phones are down. Phones are down. Um Yeah, it's a new freestanding. They forgot to hook something up. There's a wire somewhere disconnected. Got it. Is that I mean, they look like they're still in his stomach. Dad, you said this happened yesterday? Yeah, I was just getting him medicine for Chris. I left over my medicine cabinet that all my medicines are in. Okay, so he probably had these yesterday. Um. Yeah, Yeah. honestly, I kind of just didn't even think about it. It's been open all night. Okay, all right. So we're not going to, like, hold out irrigate or anything like that. Um, we can give him, I think it's defroxamine. Can we call pharmacy for dosing? I just said the phones are down. Oh. Phones, they're down. <laughs> um, but the one well, again, the nurses know this stuff. So oh, oh, okay. Um, they're pretty. Yeah, with high end nurses, low end equipment. That's the situation. Okay, let's uh, let's draw. They sent their best and brightest to the new startup. <laughs> okay, so for Ronnie, let's draw. I guess like an iron level. Uh, I guess. Uh, iron level, acetaminophen and salicylate level, um, a UDS, and we can start defroxamine at whatever dose. Yeah, you just have to ask the nurse for help. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, can I reassess Chris? Can I listen to his You gotta ask. His lungs? You gotta ask. <laughs> you gotta say, nurses, can you help, can you help me out? Can you help out the doctor? Oh, uh, they're like, we just looked it up on our cell phone. Oh. Defroxamine is 50 <laughs> megs per kilogram. IV um, as like the initial bolus, okay. we think. That's what we'll go with. We texted our friend in Poison Control, too. We're very well connected. That sounds right. <laughs> okay, great. Um, and let's let's call the nearest PICU for a transfer for Ronnie. Um, Again, they're working on the phones. There's no phones. There's no phones. There's no phones. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, okay, and then, um, Chris, can I re-listen to his lung sounds? Um, yeah, what are you listening for? Uh, does he have, does he have Strider at rest? Um, yes, he does. He still has Strider, but he looks much better. So he, Correct. he can go home on, um, I guess with a, another dose of dexamethasone tomorrow. Um, so let's, let me get him out of my hair. Um, his repeat vitals look good. He has croup. Um, yeah, let's send him out with a script for dexamethasone tomorrow. 
All right, he is discharged. Great. Um, let's see. I still have to deal with Dad. Um, so during the whole code situation, did I place a catheter or no? Did I just drain the effusion? You just drain the effusion. Okay. Um, I guess. Oh, would I would I place a catheter in real life? He's he's like quasi stable right now. He's like, please just take care of my children first, and then the nurse tells you the phones are back up. Oh, great. Um, let's let's call pick you for Ronnie at the nearest hospital, and let's call CVICU for Dad. All right, Picky's on the line. Hello. Hi. Um, I have a healthy, otherwise healthy three-year-old with iron ingestion. Um, it looks like he took the pills yesterday. Um, we don't have any of his labs back yet, but he has obvious radio opaque pills in his stomach on x-ray. We started deferoxamine on him, and all his labs are pending. Okay. Um, any idea how many pills he took? Um, it looks like, if I'm counting on the x-ray, maybe 10. <laughs> All right. <Fair> <laughs> um, any idea when he took them? Yesterday, according to the dad, that's the best information I could get. It sounds like it was... Do we know if he took anything else? Um, I don't know, but we're waiting for his acetaminophen and salicylate level and his UDS. Did you guys do anything? Um, we gave him deferoxamine and Zofran. All right. Does he have Vin Rose urine? <laughs> I don't know because it hasn't come back yet. Uh, you standalones. I know. You need to. You need. You need to get your shit together. I know. It's like you guys are just cursed because you don't see anyone that's sick, unlike us. Unlike us big medical centers, <laughs> you know, it's, you guys have it easy and then you get sloppy. Okay. All right. Um, pick you hangs up in a, in a huff and um, CVICU is on the line at your local hospital. Great. Um, I have uh, Mr. Carson. I don't know what his last name is. A 55-year-old male who came in with his entire family. Um, everyone was having runny nose and cough. He came in in cardiac tamponade. Um, he was hypotensive, and he actually coded on us. We drained about 120 cc's from his pericardium and got him back. He is alert and oriented postcode. He does not need cooling or anything like that. We did not have the chance to place a catheter in our silly little freestanding ED. Um, I'm happy to do that while awaiting transfer if you wish, but his last set of vitals were stable. Um, we sent out pan labs on him basically, but nothing is back yet. But he needs a, right. a drain slash pericardial window. Strong work. We appreciate all the hard work you do out there. We will gladly accept the transfer. Oh, uh, you guys are much nicer than the PICU. Those guys were assholes. <laughs> um, and uh, transfer arrives, and that ends your case. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> what was that? All right. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> what the heck, dude? <laughs> Very, very unlucky family. Very unlucky family. It was, it was just a bad day. Oh, man. Wait till you meet the mom and daughters. Oh, my God. Okay. That's next month. <laughs> Part two, to be continued. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay. So before we go through how you did, I'd like to thank our sponsor for the month, Pearson Rabbits Insurance. Stephanie Pearson at Pearson Rabbits is my personal disability and life insurance agent. Stephanie Pearson was a practicing OBGYN who got injured at work during a delivery gone bad. And she assumed that between her group policy and workman's comp that she would be financially covered. But unfortunately, it wasn't that simple because lots and lots of fine print that she did not know about up front. This is why you need your own personal policy that you buy on your terms that you understand and that covers you in case you can't do the specific occupation and specialty that you train for. When you do decide to buy this disability insurance policy, your personal policy, ideally as early as possible in residency, you need an independent agent who can work on your behalf shop between the policies for you, coach you, and show you the difference between all these options and kind of explain to you the fine print because on the surface, it's going to look all the same to you. The devil is in the details, and Stephanie Pearson at Pearson Rabbits Insurance will help you see that. Don't wait until it's too late. Have them take a look at the policies you already have and explain them to you. Ask questions. Don't wait until you get disabled and you have to learn lessons the hard way. Go to www.pearsonrabbits.com, fill out the contact info, and have a meeting with her team to get all your questions and disability um, insurance uh, concerns answered. All right, Mike, let's go through the end of our case here. Woo, good job, man. Ugh. How'd it go? <laughs> what do you think? I think it could have been smoother. I think I I think the disposition was correct for everybody. Um, but I was a little all over the place and I felt like you were really trying to get me to um reassess and flip back and forth between people more, but I was being stubborn about that. Somewhat um I guess with good reason for some of the time, but yeah, I don't know. It felt very disorganized. Well, and that's how these three-person cases are going to feel. And the on test day, I feel like the people who do these, I mean, they're going to do them all the time, so they're going to have it kind of fleshed out and, and know how to make it flow really well. Um, I thought you did fine, though. It's going to feel disorganized. I mean, you have three unique emergency medicine cases, right? Um, so let's see. I feel like rank them in order. Which one do you think was the least sick, the most sick? Um, medium sick yeah dad was most sick um he coded <laughs> um so i think he wins that that hat um and then the iron overdose was medium sick you know he, he was sick but stable and then um croup kid was least sick yeah I, I i feel like this is probably how they're gonna do it again i, I don't know for sure they might mix it up i feel like if you're gonna be sending a patient home on test day it's almost always gonna be you know, on one of these triple cases that I feel like they're going to kind of mix it up. Like there'll be one that's maybe more sick or more like critical care. And then they try to have one that's maybe a little more straightforward and one that's a thing, you know, they kind of try to give you a variety. It's not going to be, I feel like probably not going to be just like, you know, a head bleed and then like a STEMI and like, you know, a septic shock or something. I think that that's unlikely. I think that they kind of give you a variety of cases. Um, there's gonna. The, I thought this was a very good case because you're gonna have these triples. There's gonna be a lot of peds. Peds is heavily emphasized on the oral boards. There's gonna be a lot of talks, um, and so I felt like it was kind of a good variety of giving you a lot of peds and and talks and things like that, which you're gonna have to know. Um, I thought you did good overall. Let's go through each of these one at a time, and then we can kind of wrap up because this is already gonna be a long episode because it was a triple case. So the first patient, Chris. Um, what was his final diagnosis? Hey, 
Correct. He had croup. Um, and I'm looking through. I think you pretty much hit on everything. You uh, got him the steroids. You got him the nebulized epinephrine. Did you give any thought to some of the other um, stridery type emergencies at all? Um, I, I honestly, I should have, but I didn't. I thought it was pretty slam dunk, but... Because everyone else was sick, he had positive sick contacts, um, but definitely like foreign body, epiglottitis, those kind of things um, need to be considered. Yeah, I think you could have maybe articulated that a little bit better. You, I felt like you jumped to croup pretty fast, which is what it was, um, but I, you could have missed something in there. I don't know. I, I was hoping to make you nervous by starting you off with the stridery kid. Um and you're kind of just like, it's croup, it's, you know, start nebulized epi and steroids. Now, that's not necessarily wrong. Like, it's not going to be, I feel like, the, you know, it's not going to be bacterial tracheitis if the kid doesn't look toxic, right? And he's not super febrile. And, you know, it, foreign body is something that you could definitely possibly have missed, I feel like, with some stridering. He didn't really ask anything about that. Um, but he had some runny nose and stuff, too. I Maybe just thinking it through a little bit more or at least articulating that. Um, would have made me feel more comfortable. Um, you did the treatments, right? You did the dexamethasone and the nebulized epi. What are your discharge? What, what do you, how do you discharge croup people? How do you decide? Oh man. So this is actually pretty interesting because I am a COVID baby. And that being said, I have maybe seen one case of croup and that's despite all my PDM being in the winter and it's because of all the masking. Um, so I don't have a lot of experience um, with discharge instructions. I'm sure my PEM attendings tell the parents, but enlighten me because I'm not. Yeah, sure. you know, I think it's going to depend. And um, I think it's going to depend a little bit on which book you're reading and source. Because I was actually looking through this, too. And the, what I had written down here was um, that discharge is safe if it's been three hours since a nebulized epi family is reliable and the patient looks better. And that I also had in here you can potentially repeat the nebulized epi once and still send them home. Um, but it has to, again, you have to then give it three hours and let things kind of simmer out. And I, I feel like you definitely sat on them for a while. Um, I don't think, you know. He looks good. If family's reliable, he's not having symptoms. I think it's safe to send home. Okay. So, I th yeah, the critical actions were check the oxygen because that was hidden. Um, you did that. Uh, give the steroids, give the nebulized epi, and reassess patient and um, consider discharge. Because I also wanted to make sure that you'd be willing to send home a patient and discharge somebody um, when appropriate. And I felt like you did. So, um, good. Let's go to the second patient, Ronnie. Um, I intentionally, there's nothing that you could have done up front to get, you know, unless you specifically asked that he get into a pill cabinet. I wasn't going to give you anything up front. Um, I was just going to kind of have him have a completely normal exam, just be vomiting, and I was going to force you to go back and kind of reassess him and when dad would kind of disclose what happened. Mm. So you didn't miss anything there. Um, what was the final diagnosis? Iron overdose. That was that was good ER scrambling, by the way, because you know I was just giving you a hard time on the phone with the PICU. I had a bad PICU experience, so I'm always a little salty. <laughs> um, it just it just comes out. But um, the the <laughs> counting the pills on the X-ray that was funny. I didn't even think of that because of course I just get an X-ray with some like you know metallic foreign bodies on it. I'm not, but I was more thinking like count pills out of the pill bottle. And <laughs> But counting, counting the pills on the x-ray, that was actually, that was pretty slick. That was good thinking on the spot. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
As honestly, I thought you did pretty well on this too. You treated them up front. You have a kid with a normal exam. You got multiple sick people. You're going to get them a little Zofran and reassess them. That's exactly what you should do. Okay, so you did it right. And then the dad tells you that he's concerned for an overdose. Um, and you were, again, all over it. Um, the abdominal x-ray, if the x-ray had been normal, what would you have done? I would have kept the, the uh, wait, if the x-ray was normal, but dad is still endorsing that he took something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. If the x-ray was normal. I, I would still, I would have kept the ultrasound order to make sure, just cover my bases, make sure it's not something crazy like intussusception, which can, you know, have waxing and waning symptoms. So these kids can have normal abdominal exams when you examine them. And um, But I would still get labs on this kid, um, including all the things that the kid had access to, which I guess would just be iron, really. Um, but acetaminophen, salicylate, UDS, all that stuff, just based on the history. I don't remember you asking um, kind of what he got into. I heard just kind of the pill cabinet. What was your thought? Because you, you didn't take very much detail on what he overdosed Yeah, on. no, you're, you're totally right. Or, my, my thought process was, okay, so what medications do they have at home? And I wrote down everything that dad had. So I flipped to that sheet and I saw the the iron pills and I was like, oh, boom. Okay. That's, that's what it is. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Smart. Okay. I, that's how I was, I was making sure that you had some sort of connection there and that like you weren't just doing abdominal x-ray as part of like a, a screening for iron oh, no, or something. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, yeah. Because you didn't really articulate that part of it. And I figured you had you had known it. Um, that was kind of what I thought had happened. Gotcha. You could have done a little bit better on getting more details saying, do you know – was your medications with the cabinet? You knew how many pills were in the bottle. Yeah. Um, you did a pretty good job of kind of trying to assess the timing of the ingestion for um, decontamination, but um, maybe potentially number of pills in the bottle would have been okay. good. Um, I said that there is going to be 10, 20 tablets left, but apparently there's only 10 on the x-ray. So you, you, you <laughs> one up to me. Um, that was good. That was good. Um, but yeah, I don't, there's actually other than um, asking number of pills and maybe a little more of a detailed tox overdose type history on a kid. I don't feel like you really missed anything too much there. You identified the overdose. These are the critical actions. You got your serum iron level. You did the abdominal x-ray, which is not 100% going to show you because there's other forms of iron too, that, um, like liquids and stuff. It's not going to be 100% going to show you an iron overdose on abdominal x-ray, but like pills it would. Um, you did the dafuroxamine. No one knows what the dose of dafuroxamine is. I was just because <laughs> you're doing too well. Um, and let's see, did you do a fluid bolus? Yeah, you did. So you did a fluid bolus. Um, so you would have, you would have, um, done well on that one. And yeah, there's some nerdy stuff that we can talk about. I don't know. It may or may not be what we do in the deep dive, but there's some, definitely some stuff with an iron overdose. It's a good one for, um, the oral boards. So let's see, you talked about whole bowel irrigation, activated charcoal. Um, so this is one of those things that, I cannot remember if activated charcoal is useful for heavy metals or not. So it does not, correct. So it does not absorb iron. So your only thing would be potentially whole bowel, yeah. um, which has its own its own downsides. Um, Dafuroxamine has some side effects with it too. can drop the blood pressure. I didn't know that before I researched oh, it. So I learned something interesting. too. Um, okay. So let's go on to patient number three. Keep it moving here. Uh, Carson, the dad, what was going on? Uh, he had obstructive shock secondary to uh, cardiac tamponade. 
Good. Any ideas what might have caused the tampon? Um, I am assuming he had some kind of myocarditis or pericarditis that was viral in etiology. Man, you're good. That's what I was going for. Um, you like how all the cases work together. I felt very creative. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of how I had thought through this, too. You know, he's got his whatever the virus is, and he gets a little viral, you know, pericarditis, myopericarditis, whatever it was, yeah. with um, an infusion and tamponade. Um, you, let's see. Let's go critical actions first. You identified it. You performed the pericardiosynthesis. You consulted CT surgery or CVICU. That's fine. Um, you never got an initial EKG, which was – you didn't get an EKG until after he coded. I thought that was a little <laughs> yeah, potential. Yeah. I'm nitpicking. A but. lot of testing on him was very late. Yeah. Um, so you didn't get the initial EKG. Any EKG findings you would see with um, – Viral pericarditis with cardiac tamponade. Yeah. What could that EKG potentially look so like? So the, the textbook answer, and this is what all the med students will see on the shelf. Um, for pericarditis alone, you see, um, what is it? PR depression with diffuse ST elevation. And then um, with uh, tamponade or a large pericardial effusion. Actually, it doesn't have to be tamponade, but just a large pericardial effusion, you'll see electrical alternans which is the like bouncing back and forth of the QRSs. Good. Yeah, and I had an EKG of that. You didn't ask for it. So you had it kind of figured out with your bedside ultrasound skills, which is very astute of you. Very good. Um, let's see here. So the pericardiosynthesis, this was an interesting part when I was researching the case because there's a lot of different ways to do it, and I would be lying to you if I told you I'd done it on a non-coding patient before, um, in which case it was very just – I'm just going to stick a needle in and try to drain out fluid, you know, type of a thing. And um, have you ever done this procedure before? I have not. I've never seen it done. Have you done it in like a sim lab? I'm trying to think. I think intern orientation, I did it in a sim lab. Uh, But (laughs) it's been a while. Did you place a catheter? Um, So I, I think... I think I did during Sim Lab. I think so. Really? Yeah, but I can't. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I can't really remember. I know it's like a drain. I don't know if it's a catheter drain or what, but I know you can. Yeah, again, I did one on like a coding person, but I didn't put in a catheter. Um, I think I might have done one in Sim Lab or something. But I, we didn't do the catheter. I and mean, when I did my practice ones, I feel like my attendings taught me that you know you don't have to do the catheter. I mean, if they're coding, you're just getting out even. On, even a little bit of fluid is going to have drastic improvement on their hemodynamics, and then you just get them transferred or, or whatever. Um, but I was curious on your thoughts on that. I actually I'm gonna, I kind of have to think about that more. The pericardiosynthesis. I just haven't done a ton of them, and um, I always do this. I was always taught the subxiphoid way too, but I. It's interesting. It's just an interesting thing as I was studying it, like where the cardiac vessels are. There's cases on like which location has the least amount of like. Um, myocardial injury and things like that. So for everyone that's listening, if you think about it, so you got you got the heart inside a sac filled with fluid that you you know the fluid's there, but then you're sticking in the needle. I guess you can, you know, depending on your ultrasound view, do a good kind of ultrasound guided. Um, the But then the question is whether or not you're at risk of like hitting a, you know, the LAD or something. And so that, I thought that was very interesting. And it looked like most, it's actually fairly unlikely that you like nick a vessel. Um, 
but that was an interesting part of the case. And I know that you're up for the deep dive and I would, I'd be curious on some pericardiosynthesis stuff that I could, I could learn from too. Um, but anyways, that, that good job. I mean, you, all you have to do, I just need you to stick a needle in the chest somewhere <laughs> and drain out fluid. He's coding, he's coding, you know, like it's just, um, so I, I thought you were appropriate on that. Um, you hit all of the critical actions there. So you did great. Now just imagine though, you do the, you do the test and then you don't find out for six months how you did and you just get to sit on that little gym for a while. It's real, it's real special. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and any, any final closing thoughts? Cause this is obviously a long episode. Um, let me see. Let me go through the cases again. So the kid with croup, I guess the one thing I would add for him is just for the listeners, the, the key decision point is strider at rest there. So that is your, um, your, so all these kids with strider and you suspect croup basically get steroids. And then it's the strider at rest kids. I believe that get the, that racemic nebulized epi. Is that right? Yes, that's my understanding. That's yeah. That so that's that's like a common thing on the EM shelf or the in-service exam is Strider at rest with croup gets the the racemic epi. Um, the I don't really think I have much to add on the Iron Kid. Um, I don't know. I wasn't sure where that one was going to be honest until until that piece of history came back. Um, and then the dad. Um, yeah. I don't think I have anything to add there other than I got really lucky. Um, I, I tend to listen to a lot of MRAP. That's, I, I use various things to study, but MRAP is one source. And just so happens that yesterday I listened to the cardiogenic shock and cardiac tamponade. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I got very lucky. Um, and for the record, that is how they endorse doing the procedure nowadays. They said um, classically it was blind sub-xiphoid, but now with the amount of ultrasound training that residents are getting, it really it's wherever you can find the biggest fluid pocket is the safest way to go, whether that's like parasternal lung or apical four or wherever um and then obviously like you said if they're coding it everything goes out the window sterile sterility and you know you just want to get that fluid out perfect oh and then the most important thing i should have mentioned this for all the med students never say that the department is just so quiet and that you need to go get lunch. That's probably the most important takeaway from this episode. Anyways, because <laughs> it, like, it is unlucky, and um, yeah, you will get killed. It happens every time. So um, yeah, yep. I'm, I'm not even superstitious. I, I agree. It's just fact. It's just the way the universe works. So, 100%. And I've actually yep. thought through this. There's When, it, when it's slower the and, and quiet, you have more room for the bolus to hit where everyone can get roomed at once. So you have more beds for things to kind of – acutely come into all at the same time and a lot of times it's like oh maybe all the I was, i've been trying to think through like logically why this is but the truth is when it actually is quiet and slow you will get killed and so um don't don't rest in that it's the storm will come um it, i don't know why i don't know if it just syncs up with the paramedics and like the paramedics are all just out en route and then maybe they have more higher acuity cases so they're gone longer and then there's like a big you know what i mean and then so you don't have any coming in so it seems like it's quiet but really it's just because they're all busy doing a lot of really sick things and they all come in 30 minutes with their sick <laughs> people there's, there's got to be yeah. some reason for it but you never say that it's quiet you just don't do it um and yeah, don't. that's that's my final closing thought on that that's the real takeaway from this episode so 
<laughs> uh, thanks for sticking with us, everybody. Again, it's a long episode, but uh, yeah, Mike's going to have real 30-minute cases like this on test day, uh, but he did great. And so send us emails if you have any comments or questions. Um, you can actually reach us through the contact form on the website. Um, you can also We also have Zach at emclerkship.com, Mike at emclerkship.com if you want to get uh, in touch with us uh, individually. Check out our sponsor, Pearson Rabbits Insurance, www.pearsonrabbits.com. And until our deep dive and until next month, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.